Hey there, listeners. It's Kevin once again coming because this is another flashback week to the faith of Donald J. Trump by David Lamb and Scott Brody, or whichever way their names go, I can never truly remember. This week, we're bringing you another couple of chapters from that review. And if you want more of us, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC, where for as little as $2 an episode, you can get access to all the patron-only bonus episodes, including the brand new patron-only bonus episode for the month of July. That's it for housekeeping this week. There's not really a lot going on, so we hope you enjoy the show. And remember, follow us on the Twitters and the Facebooks and the interwebs and all of the places where you can find us. Thanks, as always, for being our listener, and enjoy the episode. You should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the Can Eat More... I'm getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book that you can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. Return to the faith of Donald J. Trump, a spiritual biography, with chapter 19, which is titled Pat, the Pope, and the Palmetto State Primary. Uh, and I don't know what your alternative chapter title is. Honestly, this one was just lazy. Yeah. Uh, mine was the one where we conveniently don't know how statistics work to make us look better. That's good. Yeah, I, I have white supremacy and Christianity, a history. <laughs> yep, that's very good, very good. <laughs> But we start off in this chapter with, uh, I will say, the first page of this chapter, I don't know if you picked up on this like I did, this first page has nothing to do with the rest of the chapter. Nothing Oh, yeah, at all. yeah. I mean, it's like, ah, oh, we were in Charleston. Charleston, to prove I know things, <laughs> is where the Civil War started. Yes. It, it's and literally, there's a sentence in here. Like, Charleston is, of course, the city where the Civil War began with the barbarment of Fort Sumter, which is the kind of thing you do in middle school when you were too late to do a presentation. But as we are all very aware, Charleston is the city where cannons fired at Fort Sumter, which was a fort just outside the city. Like, mm, it, it's yep. literally, like, middle school shit to try and, like, say a words, like, put words yes. in to be like, yes. I know some things about the topic I was assigned to write about, I promise. But they also mentioned the massacre at the Emanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church Yeah, in and then I was like, why did this happen? I mean, he, does, right. he does actually say it was white supremacy's fault, which is I was surprised about. Yeah, they say, quote, um, the killer, a young man, had soaked his life in white supremacy and draped himself literally with the Confederate flag. Yeah. Uh, and they talk about Nikki Haley, the then governor of South Carolina, calling for the flag to be taken down. And Donald Trump, I don't know why they put this in, because we all know right now, one of Donald Trump's big things is defending Confederate monuments and the yeah, fucking exactly. Confederate Ma flag. I said markedly different to Charlottesville was, right. was his reaction to... And he when was like, he was there, when he was there in the city after this event, you know, it was eight months after the, the massacre that Donald Trump was there for a primary. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think this is actually David who asked him. He said, when I asked about the flag... Trump, who had announced his candidacy just one day before the shooting, said, 
I think they should put it in a museum and let it go. Respect whatever it is you have to respect because it was a point in time and put it in a museum. But I would take it down, yes. And we know can Donald we, Can Trump's we just hold on? Respect whatever you have to respect because it was a point in time. <laughs> ah, yes. I know. I know. But my point is we know that Donald Trump's view of the Confederate flag and Confederate monuments now is diametrically opposed to that because he yeah, figured yeah, out yeah. that his supporters don't like him saying things that are bad about the, the Confederate flag or the South. So yeah. he has completely changed his tune on that. Yeah. So we then move on into this bit where it's he's in the CB. He's being interviewed by CBN, which is David's. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Oh, are you going to bring up the way. first line of this? The first line of this paragraph? In my interview that day, that one. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, you know, I interviewed him back in the day. Uh, he asked him about his Christianity and his. No, no, face. no. But, but look, look, look. Beyond that, I, I, I wanted you to say the whole quote because this is great. David says, "Quote: I asked Trump to." Tell me about your core mm-hmm. and that people want to make sure you're going to be able to deliver. Neither yeah. of those are real fucking questions. No, that's true. Neither of those. But then e- even he recognizes it's a stupid reflexive triad. He says Trump stated his reflexive triad. Mm-hmm. I'm a Christian. I'm Protestant. I'm Presbyterian. Like a fucking robot. But <laughs> um, even they recognize it. And they're all just worried about their tax exempt status, which they shouldn't have in the first place. Mm-hmm. Ridiculous, ridiculous yeah. thing. And then talking about the Johnson Amendment, which is church is not allowed, being allowed to be political, which, of course, came about in the 60s and is quite fucking right. A religious mm-hmm. institution shouldn't be allowed to be political. We talked about this at the time when they repealed the Johnson Amendment. Um, why? And, and literally, the re- it seems like the reason he has done he repealed this is because he asked the church to endorse him and the church said they weren't allowed. So it's some petty bullshit of like, I want as many people to endorse me as possible. Why shouldn't a church be allowed to endorse me? Yeah. But when, when Donald Trump talked about the Johnson amendment in this interview, he said, this is part of it. That part of his quote is quote, essentially they've taken a lot of power away from the church. I want to give power back to the church because the church has to have more power. Look, right. I can't. I yeah. can't. The church. <laughs> the church has to have more power. The, the church the needs power because yeah. the church needs to have power. Great. Okay. Great. 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 Cool. Just, the church has less power. The church should have more power because the church should have yeah. power. Right. Cool. I know. Cool. I know. Cool. 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 I mean, it's this great. kind of lines up with that other book we were reading from the patron se- patron segment. In, yeah. In that it's. You know, Which we're going to uh, get back to eventually, the David eventually, Limbaugh book. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it's essentially bullshit about people worrying that church power, which the church shouldn't have. The church shouldn't be a political influence. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, nor should any religious institution. I'm not just saying the church, nor should Islam, nor should Judaism. They shouldn't be political institutions. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's a big worry about that. And then the, the so the next thing they bring up oh, the, yeah. the, is the, uh, the defunding of Planned Parenthood. Yes, this is the abortion chapter. Yeah, this this is the abortion chaps. Um, so the the first thing is the pro- they literally the first thing he brings up is the Project Veritas video, yes. which has been pretty widely debunked. I thought, I yeah. thought, uh, apparently not. Apparently they 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 believe this, and then there's a quick parenthetical. So this <laughs> yeah. is what, the one where they they're they're accused of uh, selling fetal body parts, essentially, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and. Yeah, th- there's a quick parenthetical of though liberals believe the videos were selectively edited, <laughs> which you know means they know that the videos were selectively yeah, edited. Yeah, he's throwing out a bone there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and then was asked if, uh, 
If the, the bill came to his desk to defund Planned Parenthood, would he sign it? Yeah, exactly. And Trump, Trump said yes. But he said yes, but. Which mm-hmm. was like, this guy seemed shocked by. Yeah. Uh, because he was like, yes, but only as long as they do abortion. Only as long as abortion is a major part of what they do. And we should we should also say abortion isn't a huge part of what they do. It's like three, it's somewhere between three to 10% of the services they offer. Mm-hmm. I think on the low end of that. Yeah. Um, and then, but it, it seems well, but like they Donald, just have, a, they have answer, a particular, yeah. In Donald th- Trump's answer, he actually gives a good answer. He said, yeah, they do great work with like cervical cancer and other stuff. Yeah, he but gives I mean, a obviously, uh, minus the abortion. Minus thing. the I would defund them thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like it, it's an actually nuanced answer that you would expect someone to give. You would expect someone pro-life to give that answer mm-hmm. and say, look, I, I can't abide by what they do with that, but they do great work otherwise. Um, but and then David was David's response. Yeah, to that he, he is responds bullshit. and is clearly like, "Hey, this is this is that this is that great uh, unbiased journalism we get from the CBN." Yeah, exactly. He he responds and it clearly has a personal vendetta against Planned mm-hmm. Parenthood because he just responds and is like, "Yeah, but you know, abortion." Like, okay, and then he's like, "There are other groups that do that stuff." Yeah, but they do name it really one. well. Name yeah, one, name, David. Name, Fucking I mean, there name are. one. There are, but you know, that's not yeah. the point. No, because we all um, know the groups that David is talking about are those fake abortion clinics and yeah. shit like that, right? The family crisis centers and stuff like that. And no, they don't do cervical cancer screenings. They don't no. do pap smears because they don't have fucking doctors. Mm-hmm. They have volunteers from a church who try and convince you not to have an abortion. Yeah. That's what the fuck they do. That's, yeah, that's not wrong. Um, so then they, they say that the, uh, he, he claims that the majority of Planned, Parents, Planned Parenthood's work is abortion related. Oh, wait, wait, wait. You, you didn't pick up on this because there is some nuance to his statement that he hopes no one will notice. And they always phrase this as well. If you Google this issue, and I did oh, some Googling on Oh, if you take out all the, all the, all yes. the other stuff his, they do. His yeah. exact quote is, quote, among the pregnancy-related services mm-hmm. of abortions, adoption referrals, and prenatal services, the majority is, in fact, abortion-related. Yeah, so I mean... the pregnancy-related services, the majority is abortion, right? So, But uh, that's, it's still a minority of the overall work that Planned Parenthood does. But yeah. if you only look at the pregnancy-related stuff, abortion is the majority. So that's, they, they say it in that way and hope you don't think too hard about it. Yeah, I and so then they move on to he, he, the next the next start of the next paragraph is abortion is of course a core issue of religious conservatives and my notes on that is unless their mistresses need them, which you <laughs> know is true. Yeah, is is always the case, and, and I think that's true. I think a lot of a lot of this is a lot of this chapter is about literally we couldn't we didn't feel like we could vote for Hillary Clinton because she was pro-choice. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we could at least cling on to the fact that we thought Donald Trump was pro-life. And yeah, I think and we get, I, we I get actually, more of that in the, never, think, in the next chapter. We get more. Of that I actually in the next think chapter. that this explains the fact that she was that that Trump got the evangelical vote more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Is that there's a there's a hypocritical and visceral hatred of anyone that's pro-choice. Yeah, versus, no, that's definitely a huge part of it. Yeah, um, there, and there's like there's the political religion thing I've talked about plenty times. Yeah. Where politics matter because a lot of them, even the ones that are like you know, abortion's not a huge issue for them. They will talk about fucking tax cuts as though it were a religious issue. Fucking tax cuts as a fucking religious issue. 
But uh, one of the other things we get here is David asked Trump, do you believe Roe v. Wade was wrongly decided yeah, back I in 1973? Yeah, I think he misheard this because then he says, yes! yes, it was strongly decided. Yes! I yes! Feel, I, I feel like he must have misheard the wrongly. I know. That's what I thought. I had yeah. that circled. <laughs> He's, I, I asked Trump, yeah. do you believe Roe, Roe v. Wade was wrongly decided? And he says, well, I do. It's been very strongly decided. <laughs> so I, I feel like that's just a fuck up. On, on yeah, and David there. doesn't notice. David, David apparently does not notice yeah. that fuck up at all. No, uh, it's very good. I love, I love those little things where David is so clueless. We talked about him on last week's show when you weren't here doing the book review. But oh, David yeah. is so clueless. At yeah, so he's many a dumb points. fuck. He's really yeah. dumb. That's why he works for the CBN. Yeah. Anyway, um, we then move on to the Pope <laughs> attacking, <laughs> yes. uh, and obviously David does not care for the Pope. For nope. the Pope is Catholic, and Catholics mm-hmm. are not Christians. Is the Pope a Catholic? Well, great question. Uh, possibly not. I mean, you, there, there is certainly an argument that Catholicism is eating itself right now. Yeah. With the Pope yeah, at the center hope. of that. We can only hope. Um, so, yeah, we have, the, we have the fun quote of Trump saying, well, when the Vatican's attacked by ISIS, they'll wish I was yeah. president, which yeah. is one of the most bizarre <laughs> quotes I've ever read. As if Donald Trump would stop mm. the Vatican being attacked by ISIS. What does yeah. that mean? I know. I know. Very, and very bizarre. He- he also had this, which is, quote, no leader, especially a religious leader, should have the right to question another man's religion or faith. No, apparently no, not. Apparently not. No, everyone has the right to question everyone's fucking religion. God Especially damn it. if your religion is allegedly why you hold your political beliefs, exactly. but then you're hypocritical about the religion. Exactly. Uh, or or, or you, you pick and choose which bits of the religion you choose to listen to and which ones are, are inform your firm political beliefs. Then, yes, anyone mm-hmm. can question anyone's yeah. religion, and they should, indeed. Yeah. But then the last two pages of this chapter are David trying to apologize for why so many evangelicals voted for Donald Trump, which he has done before. But he does it very explicitly in these two pages, where he says at one point, quote, Now, at this point in the analysis, we're supposed to tell you that it was not a true Christian evangelical who got on the Trump bandwagon. Mm-hmm. pundits, which is a, I love that word now. pundits. Yeah. With deep concerns that the brand identity of evangelicalism not be tainted, got busy trying to show that people from their tribe who are very active in their faith, regular church attendance, habitual Bible reading, tithing, were less likely to vote for Trump. But then they still get very confused about how statistics work. Because now they're trying to show, apparently, that Trump still won a ton of evangelicals, which he did. Yeah. Right When Ted Cruz was still in the running, Cruz was still winning more of them. But Donald Trump still won a bunch, more than you would expect if they actual had moral yeah. st- actually had moral standards that yeah. they stick to. And, and we get the, the closing of this chapter is, is very telling. Because okay, and the closing of this chapter is so poorly written. This is not how you close a chapter. This no, is absolutely not. No, but it, it's very telling about how they view Supreme Court co- Supreme Court nominations mm-hmm. uh, because they're not politically neutral, which they're supposed to be. Yeah. And and they say pro life. It starts with that. Very conservative, very smart. So you know, two of those things are not politically neutral. Yeah. Well, the, here's the thing with Supreme Court nominations that nobody seems to want to be willing to say out loud is that it's all about policy preferences. Everything is yeah. always about policy preferences. And it's not when, about the law, as we know, no. because an accused rapist or an accused yeah. attempted rapist is currently sitting and about to be made a Supreme Court justice. When conservatives get out there and say they're for originalism and interpreting the Constitution as it was written, they're full of shit. They just want the policy preferences that they like mm-hmm. moving forward in the legal system. That's all they care about. 
It, it honestly is. And honestly, I'll say on my side, yeah, I want a justice that will support the policy preferences that I like. But I happen to think that the Constitution is not a rigid document and that it moves with the morality of the, the time that it's yeah, being interpreted. Because you're in the mainstream so, of legal opinion. Anyway, exactly. let's do the next, next chapter. Next chapter. Uh, this one is titled, Hashtag Never Trump. Uh, and my alternate chapter title is, Yeah, Trump is bad, but how about the Pizzagate stuff, huh? <laughs> Mine is hashtag, well, that didn't work out. No. <laughs> <laughs> so we get in the beginning of this chapter... Uh, a, Look, they always do this. They they cite people that nobody's ever heard of, right? Yeah. Because to them, these are famous people, I guess, but I guess, not to anybody yeah. else. They do bring up David French at one point, but the other people they're citing are like people from evangelical think tanks and uh, Baptist seminaries and things yeah, like that weird, that nobody weird knows. Weird people. And so they, yeah, so they I mean, cite a bunch just, of these. It's just never Trump people, right? So it's people yep. writing their never Trump pieces, and that that's about it. Um so, and, yeah. you know, he says stuff like William William F. Buckley would have been proud of the effort. William F. Buckley, bit of a racist himself. Um, <laughs> founder of the National Review, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of these pieces appeared in the National Review. So national, the National Review became never Trump central. Mm-hmm. Um, and people people were writing those. And yeah, it, it, you know, as we said, it's, 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 it's this pro-choice versus pro, pro-life thing. Mm-hmm. And and the fact that Christians will not vote for a pro-choice candidate, even if their mistress has had an abortion themselves. Yeah, there's a good example of that, which is uh, is this. They they quote a guy named Brian Kaler, who they call a leader among moderate Baptists in Missouri, mm-hmm. uh, asking if he regretted staying on the sidelines, speaking out against Trump, but not voting for Clinton. And he said, quote, we're responsible for what values we push and who we align ourselves with. And to me... Clinton was still a bridge too far. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that's the long and short of it, really. It, you know, and, and and he's talking about Christians on the left versus the Christian right, and he says mm-hmm. the Christian left can usually find a way to vote for a pro-choice candidate, thus taking away the horns of the dilemma about whom to vote for. And, and that's the thing; like, all you have to do is say you're pro-life, and and you'll get like a third of the, like at least half of these fuckers to vote for you on that that alone. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. That absolutely. alone is enough to to garner the the Christian right vote. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I, I, I would imagine I would get ninety percent of the Christian right vote if I said I was pro life. <laughs> but quite seriously, I based on nothing else. I think that's the main driver of the. You may be right. You may be right. But one of my favorites, because this chapter is essentially just the same thing. A bunch of people who were never Trump, they quote them and then they they talk about them a little bit. But one guy, I love this one because this is Russell Moore who is head of oh, the yeah. Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. This is definitely a pro-life guy. Uh, he tweeted out a... Donald Trump tweeted out a personal attack at this guy, which was at Dr. Moore, because, you know, these people always like you to know. call themselves doctors, even though it doesn't matter if it's yeah. theology. That's not a real doctorate. Um, Russell Moore is a truly terrible representative of evangelicals and all the good they stand for, a nasty guy with no heart. Okay. And then David, in this chapter, tries to justify that attack mm-hmm. <laughs> and yep, completely yep, yep. turns against this Russell Moore guy who I've never heard of, but, you know. No, I'm, uh, sure, he's, to, I'm sure he's a lovely chap. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they say, to justify this, that uh, any fair assessment of Moore's tweets about Trump 
or his tweet about Trump's evangelical supporters like Falwell and Robert Jeffress would show that the Southern Baptist had already taken the fight to a personal level and often laced it with the, <laughs> I love this, with intelligent condescension and biting sarcasm. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> No, They've David, never heard of either those of those things. Mean. Yeah, they no. don't know what that means. No, but that is justifying Donald Trump going after this guy with, he hit me first. Yeah. That's yeah, what yeah. this is. <laughs> no, that's the, but that's always how they justify Trump. Exactly. Always how they justify Trump. And that's how they, they always go out and, and, and his fucking shills on TV. That's how they, how they function. I, yeah. Anyway, I mean, my, my kind of... I, I guess my, my actual notes for this, my actual subtitle for this chapter is hashtag cowards, all of them. Yes. Because, yes. you know, they all spoke out about him. They, they all probably voted for him. They oh, yeah, absolutely. They fucking quietly, quietly went in and voted Trump. Yeah. Um, and, well, the, the last person we get them talking about in this chapter is Tony Perkins, mm-hmm. head of the Family Research Council, a hate group, because we know these yep. guys love hate groups. Uh, and we know Tony Perkins was backing Trump from the beginning. Tony mm-hmm. Perkins was never against Donald Trump. Uh, and so Perkins said that uh, some, after the election, have come back to him and told him he was right and apologized. Because we yeah. know as soon as they got their guy in office, all of their moral, uh, you know, uh, challenges to Donald Trump All of just, the hand-wringing disappeared, yeah. Exactly. All of the hand-wringing disappeared. Exactly. And this thing, so this is Jonah, Jonah Goldberg is the actual last person to quote, saying, sorry, I still won't ever vote for Trump. Which, you know, maybe Jonah Goldberg didn't. Who knows? Yeah. But well, his, yeah, he wrote that in the National Review, yeah. uh, Jonah Goldberg. So his, that was his article. Yeah, his quote from this was, I honestly believe that a President Trump would do enormous, perhaps fatal damage to the conservative movement as we know it. I also believe that without the conservative movement, this country is toast. But I further believe that Hillary Clinton would do obvious and enormous damage to the country. That's why I'm not voting for either of them. So without ever saying what, what horrific damage Hillary Clinton would do to the country, that he just throws that out there. And then David excuses the vote for Trump by saying, you know, damage to the conservative movement is much better than enormous damage to the country. And that's yep. why we were right to vote for Donald Trump. Yeah, and that's how he ends the chapter. Yep. Yep. I, I look that that Coward's way out. Way. Coward's that way That last out. paragraph, David justifying voting for, for Donald Trump over yeah. Hillary Clinton. By, yeah, and know, saying, yeah. saying he was right to do so, essentially. Mm-hmm. Fuck Absolutely. Her. Anyway, that is it for chapter 20. Hello, patrons, and welcome to your patron-only bonus episode for this week, the week of September 16th? Is it the 16th? It's the 16th. It's uh, the 20th today. Yeah, I know. It's the 20th today. You know, it, is also, I always, it is also the patron episode for last week, because there wasn't well, one last true. week. But you know how I always try to do it by the, the Sunday of the week. I pick off well, whatever Sunday the Sunday would be the 17th. So you no, still I am looking at a calendar. It was the 16th. Do your math. Okay. It's Thursday the 20th. Oh, yeah, embarrassing yourself in record, front of everybody. We normally we normally record on a Wednesday, <laughs> but you were busy last night. So. This is true. This is true. I had stuff going on. I had a lot of reading to do uh, because oh, as, you were busy reading. Mm-hmm, as I, I will see. say a thousand times, I'm in law school, so I get you to are. complain about it. Uh, anyways, yeah. Benedict, how are you today? I feel like I never asked I'm that right. on the patron show. You don't. Yeah, because our patrons don't care for my health. <laughs> well, um, usually I don't care when we get over here. <laughs> that's true. You only have to keep up the facade of niceties yeah, that's true. on the real show. <laughs> Once people are hooked in, we hate each other. Why are you you're eating while recording? You are, Do you yeah, want everyone bad. to hear you chewing? Cool. 
Um, I actually don't really care. Again, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to start eating a ham sandwich a, on the air then, a, and crinkling paper all over the place. Well, yeah, that's the thing, crinkling paper. Yeah. I, I apologize. I will move my yeah. pretzel crunch away from the from the mic. Don't 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 um, tempt me. Don't tempt me. No, no, no. I, I'm very well. How are you? I am doing quite fine. Uh, it's Thursday, my last day of uh, classes for the week. I get a nice three day weekend every weekend. Uh, so. Uh, I thought law school was supposed to be hard. <laughs> ha. Yes, it is. It very much is. Just because we only have class four days weekend. a week doesn't mean we're not working all week long. And I all see, weekend. I see, I see. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, 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 sure, 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 sure. Cool. Uh, anyways, why don't we just get into it this week? We don't. Well, we we do have we have one little story before the book review to talk oh, about. Oh yeah, Casey Hopkins went bankrupt, <laughs> which is really funny. which you're you enjoying know, quite a people, bit. People people are roasting her on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So what, what happened? Did, did she just being, declare bankruptcy, and that was she just she she did a Michael Scott of declaring bankruptcy. Did she really? I think I I assume she yelled it at the wind. <laughs> I don't know. Um. And for anyone that doesn't know Katie Hopkins, she's like the British Laura Ingram, mm-hmm. right? Maybe somewhere between Laura. Does she Ingram have a TV Coulter. show, Probably or does she Coulter. just do that radio show? She used to do the radio show. I think she got dropped from the radio show. Okay, because um, that's I what I know her from. Yeah, I think she has a column still. Maybe she used to have a column in the Sun. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she still does. Yeah, but you can regularly um, see her yeah. doing stunt. You know, she does those stunts where she go out on the street and. And be yeah, ridiculous. she's like a female Tommy Robinson, yes. like that type of. Yeah, vibe. she'll do like, that kind of stuff. Yeah, we talked about her going down the Edgware Road the other day yes, on the yes. podcast. Look at this. And this being like, this immigrant food like, is delicious. <laughs> it doesn't look like England anymore. Yeah. Also, she's so, so, like, so one of the funnier jokes I saw on Twitter was uh, someone being. She was. She had tweeted at the time of the royal wedding, "You can't buy class." <laughs> Which is, you know, one of those things that, like, she was caught cheating on her husband in a field. So, I mean, she's probably right. You can't buy class. Mm-hmm. But, and it was a side-by-side of Meghan Markle and Kate Middleton, both of whom looked awesome in their wedding dresses. Like, in their wedding dresses. And it was, like, a slightly, like, I think it was, the picture was taken at a slightly awkward time for Meghan Markle, where she was just starting to smile, mm-hmm. whereas Kate Middleton was like full smile. So it, it was like an awkward timing. But anyway, to her, you can't buy class tweet. Someone, someone went back through and dug it up from like six months ago and just quoted it with, <laughs> you can't buy anything. <laughs> That's fantastic. Which is, which is good. Oh. Yeah, so all her trips to South Africa to prove that the white yes, genocide, the yes, the white genocide have trips. clearly have clearly cost her. Uh, monetarily as well as in terms of her reputation. So well, you know, apparently Patreon's not bankrupt. doing that well these days. It's a good thing when bad people go bankrupt. <laughs> so I think that's your, sh- as you finish chewing your chocolate-covered pretzel, uh, I think that's it's your delicious. Sh- schadenfreude of the week. <laughs> I, I, should do a, I should do a little uh, sound bit like I do for the, the history show, the other things in history. I should do schadenfreude, yeah. schadenfreude, of, schadenfreude of the week. Of the week. <laughs> I feel like it deserves a jingle though, like Schadenfreude of the Week. Something like that. We'll figure something out. Hey, if any of our listeners want to do something like that and send it to me, I will play it on the show. <laughs> we will use it. Yeah, I will use it. I will use it. Anyways. We will steal it from you and use it. Yeah. Why don't we get into uh, this week's chapter, which is chapter do we 21. Have to? Yes, we do. Yes, We're we do. Nearly, we made a promise. Are we, done? Uh, we, are, we do have to get into it. This is chapter 21. <laughs> it is titled. I just opened the book upside down, and I think it made more sense. <laughs> this is titled Coalesce or Two Evils. 
What does that mean? I okay, we were talking know. about this before the show. If someone could tell me what coalesce or two evils actually means, that would be great. Well, I think they were going for something like lesser of two evils, right? Yeah, but I mean, it doesn't really make sense. It doesn't. Like, Don't... oh, what's a sound? What's a word that has less in it? Coalesce, David. <laughs> okay, well, they, they right, never talk about two evils in this chapter. The one thing they do talk about is evangelicals coming together well, around Donald Trump. I, I think the two evils are... I, I think what they're going for is like the two evils are Trump and Clinton mm -hmm. and is that going to be too much for people or are they going to coalesce as yeah, you said but around, unlike last chapter Trump. they never explicitly bring up the the lesser of two evils thing they did that in the last chapter but they don't yeah, do that yeah, in this yeah. one and yeah it was the whole uh, the whole enormous damage to the country versus enormous yes. damage to versus fatal damage to the conservative movement yeah thing, but right? one thing i want to bring up about the, the these last chapters in this one is i think they are way overplaying conservative evangelical resistance to backing Donald Trump. And maybe it's just that my memory is different, but these motherfuckers were behind Donald Trump from the beginning. And I think they are cherry-picking out some leaders who were against Donald Trump, but sure as shit, a hell of yeah, a lot think, of evangelicals were base, backing his the ass. The base wasn't far off it. No. Um, from the start. I think I think Cruz, they had some poll numbers in there that Cruz had some significant backing. Cruz was on. more popular at the beginning, but when he dropped out, they didn't hesitate to go right to Donald Trump. Oh, yeah, no, they flipped the fuck no, away. Like, no, that was... Absolutely. Bye. Yeah, and I think yeah. a lot of them probably, if you would ask them during the campaign, they would have said, you know, I like Cruz, but Trump's pretty cool, too. I feel like they would have reacted that way. So, anyways, mm -hmm. my alternate chapter title for this one, uh, I just put down Parade of Fake PhDs. Uh, because they are bringing <laughs> up a ton of evangelical leaders in this chapter, none of whom have real PhDs. They're all theology degrees. Uh, and I just, I got really tired of that at some point because I kept Googling them. I kept Googling all these people they talk about in this chapter, and they all use a PhD on their Twitter handle, even though none yeah, of them have I a real that. one. I was saying, was I ranting about this to you when you were here? Or was it someone else? I don't else know. That I was like, people who put PhD on their LinkedIn <laughs> is like, fuck you. Well, if like, you have a real like, PhD. If you have a real PhD. No, not on LinkedIn, though. Not on LinkedIn. Well, you put down your, like, oh, you mean in your, like, your, in your name portion. In your, yeah, in oh, your yeah, bio on LinkedIn. That's a dick move, yeah. Like, like Benedict Nicholson. <laughs> <laughs> but here's my point. Here's my point. Unless you have a PhD, unless you have gone through grad school and spent the eight to twelve fucking years that takes to earn a PhD, if you did four years of Bible college and come out of there with what they call a doctorate, that's not a fucking PhD. Okay, I'm go I'm doing law school. Our degree is technically a doctorate of law, a juris doctor. Okay. I still cannot call myself a PhD or a doctor after I'm done with this. Can you not call yourself a, a doctor? Is that not how it works? No, it's not. You're not a doctor of law. I'm not a, I, I technically, but it's it's like, it's like someone who has a PhD in philosophy calling themselves a doctor outside of the classroom they're teaching in. Okay, you can call yourself a doctor in the classroom or at educational functions, but don't call yourself a doctor the rest of the world. Okay, we all because there's a common understanding of what doctor means. Doctor generally means medical doctor medical practitioner yeah. and i just think yeah, we yeah. need a bright line there for common usage okay and here's my point they use doctor dr and uh, look that's fine for medical doctors i don't have a problem with a lot of people using phd after their name right people who have a phd in various different subjects but it's these people these evangelicals who put doctor before their name that i have a huge problem with because that's total bullshit yeah. Okay. Fine. Should we do the chapter? I guess we should. We're trying to uh, my, avoid my it because this one's so bad. My alternative chapter title was 
uh, becoming pro-life after all your mistresses have had abortions. <laughs> How great would it be if in the next upcoming weeks we find out Donald Trump had a mistress who had an abortion? I mean, the, the doorman yeah. already said Did none that. none of his wives? I, th- I feel like one of his wives must have done a something. Probably. Probably at some point. But we start off this chapter talking about, and they, they're saying as spring moved into summer, the lingering question remained, would evangelical leaders make the turn and support Trump or would they merge with the Never Trump group? That was no question. There was never a question, no question about it. No, they ever. would back whoever the leader in the Republican Party was. That was always mm-hmm. what it was going to be. There was no question. So then we get talk of this Faith and Freedom Coalition conference uh, by a guy named yeah, Ralph Reed. And, and the, the big question of, is America a Judeo-Christian Yes, nation, uh, is this is another question that question. David asked, right? David asked this question. Yeah, for the CBN, mm-hmm. presumably. And I just want to point out at this point that we have had, I don't know how many times David has mentioned different interviews he's done with Donald Trump. And David, you keep yeah, it's been a asking lot. the same fucking questions in different ways. Just mm-hmm. ask it once and move the fuck on. Ask yeah, different questions. Not, this is not journalism. Yeah, this isn't journalism, David. This is not journalism. But of course... Okay, yeah, so, so we obviously then get the... Oh, well, radical Islamic terrorism, mm-hmm. why will no one say it? It's like the, the canned responses. Mm-hmm. He essentially, ha- I, I, what I've realized reading this book is he is completely like spontaneous and talks nonsense, but it's because he always wants to talk about the same five things. Mm-hmm. And he essentially has a canned response that he pretty much edits every time. Yeah, you know, I realized this the other day about Donald Trump uh, because word came out that he had said we, they should build a, a wall across the Sahara Desert uh, oh, to stop God. immigration. And I realized I saw that. to Spain. Yeah, yeah. But by the way, the Sahara <laughs> Desert, which is in Africa, <laughs> I know. to stop to and, and Spain, which is yeah, in Europe, yeah, should build I know, it. I know, but you know how it is. I realized that Donald Trump is Joe Bluth from Arrested Development. <laughs> he right? He has one yeah. idea. He keeps trying to push in slightly different ways. I call it Swingers City. I call it <laughs> Fuck City. I, right? It's the same idea. He keeps yeah, trying to push in different not, ways. It's not far enough. No. Yeah, no. It's, he's a mixture between Job and Buster. <laughs> probably. Uh, well, Eric is Buster. Let's be honest. Um, yeah, that's, that, that's fair. But then, of course, after talking about radical Islamic terrorism and et cetera, somebody again told him, I think David again said he needs to tone down the rhetoric or that supporters say he needs to tone down the rhetoric. And Donald Trump's response to that is his response to everything Everyone likes me. I've gotten the largest number of votes in the history of Republican politics. Probably a lot. Which, I didn't okay. take the time to look it up. I mean, it, it might be true, but also, like, obviously, because the population is so much bigger now. Yeah. So if you continue to win the majority of Republicans simply by increasing yeah. population sizes, you're exactly. going to get the most Republican votes. Uh, yeah. But then we get a, a quick paragraph of him being mad at Jennifer Rubin, of David writing trash yeah. about Jennifer Conservative Rubin. Conservative bugger. Conservative writer at the Washington Post, uh, and Jennifer Rubin has been a never-Trumper all along and has never had very nice things to say about Donald Trump, but there was really no reason for this paragraph, right? No, no. Jennifer Rubin wrote something mean. Yeah, that's she the paragraph. She broke the hypocrisy meter. Yeah. And then they were like... And then hit return, and then start a new paragraph like, with a totally different topic. Jennifer Rubin? Like... Yeah. I have no idea. I have I, no idea. Actually, I don't know. I really... I'm reading it again now, and I really don't know why... No, it does not tie into the chapter whatsoever. It's just a weird that, aside. Uh, maybe yeah, because it happened around the same time, and they're it, let's be honest, these chapters they are not doing this book chronologically. They've tried no. in some t- some instances, but they're not doing it chronologically, uh, and so that just didn't but make sense. That's like it's a, it's a half page long parenthetical, which is weird. Yeah, 
I don't know. I don't get it. Uh, but the next thing we get into is this guy, Ralph Reed, who ran the Faith and Freedom Coalition Conference. I guess maybe that's his his uh, lobbying group, the Faith and Freedom uh, Coalition. Yeah, maybe. Uh, and this is his conference, and he talks about his relationship with Donald Trump, who apparently he's known since about 2010. Uh, and he says he'd known him since 2010, quote, when he started to get more politically involved during the Tea Party period, which I just wrote in my notes, the birther bullshit. That's what you mean. When he yeah, started exactly. spouting the birther what, bullshit. What you mean, he starts to get more politically involved in that he was just trash-talking Obama. Mm-hmm. That's the extent of his political involvement. Because he's racist. Yeah, yes. that was his political... I mean, that that's his presidency, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. That is, his, like, trash-talking Obama, trying to, to get rid of what Obama's legacy is. Mm-hmm. So... You know. Well, and Reed, and Reed is another one of these guys who claims to have this really great relationship with Donald Trump. And honestly, how many people have we gotten in this book who have all these regular phone calls with Donald Trump? If all these people honestly yeah. talk with him as often Trump as they... Trump must have no time. Yeah. What other time would he have other than answering phone calls from all these fucking people? Yeah. It doesn't make <laughs> yeah, sense. Um, he also says he also says in a second that he prefers Jeb though. Yeah, <laughs> he's like I prefer Jeb. I wish Jeb had won. But he does. But we tried yeah. not to put our finger on the scale. He does say that at the end he decided either one of them would be fine between Trump or Cruz, the final two, and that it was a win-win in their eyes. Which <laughs> look uh, between Trump and and Cruz, uh, I mean they are about equivalent to me. So maybe 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 in their eyes win-win makes sense. Lose-lose for me. Yeah, but then no, we get lose, 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 lose. Yeah, we get this list, which I loved. This list uh, talking about after Trump won the nomination, and Reed's group, the Faith and Freedom Coalition, was evaluating him on the issues. And here's the list of issues that they say they're about, and that he was all on board with. And just listen for me. One of these things is not like the others. So they say, <laughs> "quote He was pro-life. He had just released his list of 21 judges for the Supreme Court. He was pro-traditional marriage. He was pro-Israel." He was against the Iran nuclear deal. He was for defunding Planned Parenthood. One of those things doesn't quite have anything to do with evangelicalism, does it? No. No. You wouldn't think so. The Iran nuclear deal doesn't have anything to do with Christianity and faith unless you're a bigot who hates anyone Muslim. Yeah, and I mean like three three of them are pro-life things yeah one of them's an israel thing which is like an evangelical thing but i i guess the iran nuclear deal is is a it, you could fit that into israel stuff because israel didn't like the deal as well maybe maybe well israel doesn't like the deal because netanyahu would really like a war uh but anyway we then get the question this honest question was he pandering was he playing a part in 2016 and reading a script for evangelicals which... Have you heard the Bo Burnham song, Pandering? No, I or, haven't. Like, the, the country song. It's good. It's I about haven't. like people like Keith Urban who like sing country music but <laughs> wouldn't touch dirt if it like would save their uh, life. Quick, quick aside good. about Bo Burnham. A uh, quick aside about him. I discovered him like six or seven years ago. And, you know, a lot of people, you either love or hate Bo Burnham. Because I love him. Yeah, his great. comedy is very artistic. It's it's very deep and weird, and there's a huge because if his uh, his first stand up thing he did for Netflix was basically performance art more than it was comedy. It was performance yeah, yeah, art, yeah. which I I really liked it. I found it really interesting. I thought it was, he was like 21. I thought it was really yeah. Good. No, I thought it was really really good. Anyways, uh, away from Bo Burnham and back to this terrible book. We keep trying to apparently delay. his movie is really good. Yeah, I the keep hearing that movie that is really fantastic. Yeah. yeah, but so he's uh, Ralph Reed's answer to that question of was he was pandering is. No, because I knew him from 2010 to now. And there yeah, was a yeah, never yeah, time, yeah. A time Fa- from 2010 
where I didn't think he was. 2010, when Trump turned 18. <laughs> exactly. As we all know. And he actually writes this, Trump was no Johnny-come-lately to evangelicals yeah. or their Don- concerns. Donny, Donny-come-lately. Yeah, with their measuring point yeah. being from 2010. Yeah. <laughs> This, this guy who, like, was a, a Democrat for most of his mm-hmm. life. So moving on to the next paragraph, or uh, next page, uh, they tar- to start to talk about Johnny Moore, who apparently is a nu- – uh, he <laughs> – look, I, I don't know who this guy is. This is this is the problem for me is I have to Google – senior vice president of Liberty University. Oh, yeah. I keep having to Google everyone they talk about because they I keep – I mean, it says that in the book. Yeah, but they keep assuming that we know something about these people. Uh, and I never fucking do because Johnny Moore is not one that they like just meant. Most Johnny like most Moore, they give a little background probably, of because maybe he's not well they known. Probably even know. Well, maybe I feel like most evangelicals might know the who the SVP of Liberty University. I, is. I don't know, but th- you will admit with me, right, that there are so many people in this chapter who they just name drop and expect us to fucking oh, know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there, there are right, a number. Of right, them. exactly. Uh, so they talk about Johnny Moore and him. He came to Liberty University. He's in his thirties now. And they say, quote, he left his job at Liberty to found a media firm, picking up dozens of high-profile evangelical faces, uh, to which I just wrote in the margins, so nobody's? Nobody's. So, yeah. yeah. Still nobody's. <laughs> exactly. Nobody's. Nobody's. Yeah, yeah. nobody's it is. Yeah, a whole nobody's bunch of nobodies. So Johnny Moore, the whole reason we bring in Johnny Moore here is because, and, and I should mention in this part of the chapter, we are jumping back to 2012. We've been back to 2010. Now we're back to 2012. We're going to spend a couple pages on 2012 now. Uh, so just so everyone's not confused. And they talk about Donald Trump giving a convocation at Liberty University in 2012. Uh, maybe it was a convocation yeah, or just a normal. that's a weird thing that happened. Yeah, right. Exactly. I know. I don't understand why he decided to do this either. And it's another example of Donald Trump not getting evangelicals because he brought his confirmation picture which is not a thing for evangelicals. No, and he did his Christian, Protestant, Presbyterian, tricolon, crescendo, diminu- I guess tricolon, diminuendo. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and this is a weird thing. You know, Donald Trump, whenever he talks to the evangelicals, he tries to connect with them on things he knows. The thing is, Donald Trump does not understand what bigots evangelicals are towards people yep. who are other towards kinds of Christians. other Christians. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And of course, we know they put all yeah, that aside. Yeah, so liberty is Baptist. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Uh, but so they get to the end of the convocation. They give us a few quotes from it. None of it's really interesting. It's the same boilerplate shit we've heard this entire book. But at the end, they give us one thing that took that he got him a little bit of flack, which was when Donald Trump said after he was answering a question from a student, uh, "Do you have any advice for us as future leaders?" Which <laughs> you go to Liberty University, you're not going to be a future leader. <laughs> you're going to a church where you steal money from old people. I guess that is a formal uh-huh. leading. We need to get into a different kind of work. Uh, yep. But Donald Trump said this quote, quote, I always say, don't let people take advantage. This goes for a country too. By the way, don't let people take advantage. Get even. Yep. Get revenge. You get know that revenge. famous Jesus he's saying. And of course, Johnny Moore and Jerry Falwell Jr. ended up doing radio and TV interviews to defend that statement that Donald Trump made and writing an op-ed for Fox News even, arguing that Trump's point wasn't counter to the example of Jesus Christ. Apparently, they haven't read the the turn-the-other-cheek part of the Bible. 
maybe they'd have well, that okay, page but missing. Then, then they, they do this, this quote of, of course, as a Bible-believing evangelical, I do not believe that Christians should treat people maliciously, take <laughs> revenge, or fight with others arbitrarily. <laughs> I believe we should show extraordinary restraint. <laughs> but when someone asked me if I thought God would get even with <laughs> people, I decided to make a nuanced theological point. God would, and he did, get even. In the end, God won. That is quite the like, nuanced theological I mean, point. The, the Old Testament God <laughs> flooded the world <laughs> that because is he true. had a bad day. That is so, true. Like, that, I mean, I wouldn't put it past the Old Testament God. And the New Testament God killed his son <laughs> for no real reason. Oh, he sacrificed so, himself as his son to himself for things that he did, made you do. I, you know, it's, it's a yeah, whole so thing. You know, you, you know how it is. You know how it is. So we get next uh, another conference. This one is in 2016. We're jumping forward to 2016 now. And this is at the Marquis Marriott Hotel in New York City. Uh, where apparently, City, baby. yeah, there's this My Faith Votes event put on by Johnny Moore. Uh, I think I've been to that hotel. Really? Oh, well, I haven't. Yeah. So it's in Times Square. It's horrible. Yeah, probably is. Uh, but so this is a you know a bunch of evangelical. It's the usual evangelical leaders and whoever showing up for a conference, and uh, a bunch of people were on stage. And apparently at this event you had Donald Trump and Ben Carson, along with uh, name dropping Tony Perkins and James Dobson, who they expect everyone to just mm-hmm. know. And you and I know who those people Again. are, but most people don't. And I still had to look them up to make sure I was thinking of the right yeah, people. Yeah, I know yeah, James yeah. Dobson, but Tony Perkins I had to remember uh, as the head of the Family Research Council. Or, mm. uh, uh, but uh, so we get this event, and Donald Trump is there. Uh, Perkins had already endorsed Ted Cruz, and then, of course, immediately after Cruz is done, he goes and supports Donald Trump. Uh, and then we get you know, look, Mike Huckabee is thrown in here, and Mike Huckabee. It's always fun. It's always fun with Mike Huckabee because Huckabee is so dead on the inside. He is so he sad is. he didn't win well, the presidential he's nomination. His son kills so many well, dogs. <laughs> That much How could is you true. Not be dead on the inside. That much is definitely true. So we got uh, Mike Huckabee uh, just giving us the worst quotes. So he actually introduced Donald Trump, uh, telling the crowd, "Quote: Everyone here knows the Bible better than Donald Trump. If you handled Donald Trump a tabbed Bible, <laughs> he would have a hard time finding John three sixteen. I <laughs> that's the most honest statement Mike Huckabee has yeah, ever fucking made. has ever made. No." That's just yeah. fucking ridiculous that these people don't look because look, uh, look, I get so frustrated with this book, right? I get so frustrated. Yeah, I mean, you 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 know that it's because this book is such a you, fucking. They know exactly up. who he was as well. We they know knew, exactly. They knew yeah. always exactly who he was. Yeah, uh, but so we get into and, and there's another. Uh, there, this is one of my favorite parts. Whenever they throw in one of these quotes, they quote Michael Cohen uh, as oh, yeah. Trump's longtime yeah, friend good. and lawyer who echoes Huckabee's view on Christian duplicity, saying, quote, Trump is not the guy you're going to see kneeling in the pew, but he prays in his head and his heart in on his a regular basis. <laughs> and his heart. I mean, you know how you pray in your heart. I don't think there's any other way to pray than in your head. No. I think that's the only no. way to pray. But the last yeah. part of this chapter, this is great because, again, there was no reason for this. This is Donald Trump has a Mexican friend. Uh, for the last three pages of this chapter is Donald Trump has a Mexican friend. and the- Samuel Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Samuel Rodriguez. You, however you pronounce it, that's what it is. That's how you do it. Uh, <laughs> and apparently he is the leader of the National Hispanic Christian Leadership Conference, the world's largest Hispanic Christian organization, to which I would say no – they have the Catholic Church. That's bigger. Uh, and <laughs> he is one of the guys who is out there saying that Donald Trump is not racist. 
so they put in this quote talking about Rodriguez going on Univision, uh, saying, quote, The program's host, Jorge Ramos, had famously gotten into verbal brawls with Trump at news conferences, even to the point of Trump having Ramos removed from the room. So when Ramos interviews Rodriguez on the show, he asked, Is Donald Trump racist? Rodriguez answered, No. Hit return, start new paragraph. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, well, they then say later have the cells of the CBN repeated the same mm-hmm. question to Rodriguez. Do you believe Donald Trump is a racist? And then he gives a more qualified answer. Mm-hmm. He says, no, in my understanding, Donald Trump's not a racist. Uh, Trump engages in rhetoric that is inflammatory and it's not the sort of rhetoric I would use, but I don't think it's racist. That is such a hedged before answer. Pl- he, he then says, yeah, before I plant that label on any human being, I want to know w- that there is more, way more than just rhetoric. So, I mean, now there is, as it turns out. <laughs> yes, so yes, but here's ha- would the you thing. like to revisit your answer, Sammy? Here's the thing. Racist rhetoric is racist. It is still yeah. racist. It, it fires up racism and encourages racism. Yeah, his that's qualifying that's phrase before that, he's talking about how he grew up in rural Pennsylvania and he had, you know, his eggs thrown at his car and, uh, and got keyed and stuff like that. So that's why he doesn't want to just throw out racism when it's not physical attacks on yourself or your property. So I yeah, guess for I mean, this guy, racist words don't like... count. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the yeah, very weird. I know. I and know. then and then Trump he the, he appeared on uh, he he met Trump as like a mm-hmm. thing for the Hispanic after being American on Fox community. and Friends that morning. After being on Fox and Friends, because of course that's where Trump saw him. Mm-hmm. And then he said he like began to introduce himself, and then Trump interrupted him <laughs> and was like, "We need to hear from people like you. So what do you have to say?" No, Having no, no. He, he interrupted him. him and started off by saying how great he was on TV that morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Donald Trump, the guy yeah. who doesn't have time to watch TV. Um, mm-hmm. But and, and he even says Rodriguez says it became an awkward moment. Yeah, it really was awkward, awkward yeah. after Trump interrupted him when he was trying to talk. Uh, saying he needs to hear from him and saying he just started to explain to Donald Trump how he needed to be careful with the rhetoric uh, and uh, how he had the opportunity to shake things up, not just for the white community, but for African-Americans and Latinos, too. Uh, And to be honest, that's the end of the chapter. There's not much. There's 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 another uh, paragraph after that, but it's it's nothing. There was nothing important beyond that. There's no affirmation of Donald Trump hearing or understanding that message or anything happening because of that, or Donald Trump ever toning down the rhetoric, which we know he fucking hasn't. So no, self-owned, a fucking self-owned here. Huge self-owned from Sammy Rodriguez. Oh, but we end the chapter with David asking or saying, for evangelicals yet skittish about Trump, his next action, choosing a running mate, would need to be stellar. Oh, Stella. Oh, I remembered the other day who Ted Cruz's running mate was. Do you remember? Uh, I don't. Who was it? Carly Fiorina. Oh, God, that's right. Yeah, they she killed her daughter. Just Carly before... Fiorina killed yeah. her daughter. Go listen to Eli Bosnick. He'll tell you. Stun... <laughs> okay. All right. That was comedy, well, people. I mean, um, it's, so you... it's not. this is not an actual accusation. <laughs> nope. This would not stand in a court of law. <laughs> Parody is protected. Uh, but uh, anyway, that's it for chapter 21. And in the final segment this week, our... I almost said final. Final, It's not the final one. We're on chat. I wish. We have... (laughs) Inshallah. I think we have uh, two two or three more installments of this book review before we will finally be done. So we are are close. It goes up to to chapter 30. Yes. So a few more. We are almost there. I am so excited. 
But this is chapter 22, and this one is titled, Cleveland Rocks, dot, 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 and prays. But it's weirdly not dot, dot, dot. It's dot, space, space, Right. Space, it's, dot, it's not space, a proper space, ellipsis. Space, space, no. It's no. absolutely not. Uh, and my alternate chapter title for this one is Misappropriating the Legacy of Drew Carey, America's Most 1998 <laughs> Comedian. Which you don't get because you didn't get the Drew Carey show in the UK. No, but you told me to laugh at the joke, so I laughed. <laughs> my, my, my chapter 22 alternate title is In Which We Pretend None of the Rest of the Books So Far Happened. That's very good. It's good. So yeah. this one starts off talking about Cleveland, Ohio being the site of the 2016 Republican National Convention. And of course, that's mm-hmm. where they get the Cleveland Rocks, which they call the city's unofficial anthem, written by Ian Hunter, who I I don't know who that is. What's the official anthem? Is That's there a good question. Anthem? There probably is I want to know what it there is. There probably isn't one. Uh, and they say, they say, quote... I hope it's Cleveland sucks. Yeah, it's a quote written by Ian Hunter, who felt his adopted home was always made fun of and never given the respect it deserved. Sound familiar? That right. Donald Trump, welcome to Cleveland. Uh, well, also, but like the, the logical continuation of that sentence is, but turned out to suck just as ever, just as much <laughs> right, as everyone thought it did, right. if not more. Right. If you're comparing it, if you're using it as a metaphor for Donald Trump, it's like, but it's actually just as bad as right. we Right. The problem so. is they put in the line, respect they deserved, which they deserve none. Uh, Cleveland and Donald yeah. Trump, both still actual garbage. So they do mention that three days before the uh, uh, Donald Trump arrived in Cleveland, uh, he took care of picking his vice president, a guy, and they write this, a guy by the name of Michael Richard Pence. You may have heard of him. What is it with the three him. naming people? I don't what know. What is it with the three? Like, I don't like the oh, Hillary Rodham Clinton. <laughs> but at least like, now we they know. They always do it. These motherfuckers. Now we know there's more than one ra- racist Michael Richards. Richard, I had to put the yeah. S in apostrophe, but it, the joke almost yeah, works. Yeah, yeah, I get it. The joke no, almost good. works, almost, Michael Richards. It works yeah. if you say it quickly enough and don't focus Michael on Richards. It. So yeah. Let's carry on. <laughs> If a joke doesn't work, burn it to the ground. And that's funny. (laughs) Yep. That's funny, too. So David, of course, talks about another time he sat down for an interview with Donald Trump and asked no interesting or Mm -hmm. useful questions, uh, which we've established is his modus operandi. How many this motherfucker done? I don't know. Honestly, with Trump, like, too many. To be honest, I think... To not ask any interesting questions. I think he keeps referencing a lot of these same interviews, just different parts. Yeah, I feel like that's right. Yeah, because he never asks a worthwhile question. He never... Because David Brody... David doesn't know anything about economic policy or trade or anything like that. The only thing he can ask questions about is Christianity. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. My favorite bit of this is him being like, uh, why did you pick Pence? And and Trump's like, well, I met Pence and Pence prayed. Trump's never like, we prayed together. He's like, he prayed. Um, And then he goes on to say, it was a wonderful choice as vice president. Uh, He's a spiritual person. So am I. No, it was a wonderful choice as vice president. Remember, he tried to rescind it. He like tried every Mm -hmm. possible trick Mm -hmm. to be like, I don't want him as vice president. Let's do something else. Let's please pick someone else. I really don't want Mike Pence, Michael Richard Pence, sorry, (laughs) to be to be vice president. They tried for like 48 hours to be like, no, please, no. But I just want to say, please, no, anyone but him. Mike Pence is Donald Trump's jingly keys. Okay, he is the look away from Donald Trump. Look at Mike Pence for evangelicals. That was the point of Mike Pence. And they write here that according to those intimately involved in the vice presidency deliberations, Trump genuinely wanted a deeply religious man as his number two. The reason he wanted that was to appeal to the evangelicals, not because he cared 
about the religious exactly. aspect of the person. Can I can I just separately to this point out that Donald Trump has just tweeted in all caps, remember the midterms, which is pretty funny. Also, it's funny because... Uh, no, no, Donald Trump. I will remember the Alamo and nothing else. Yeah, <laughs> the Republicans have done internal polling and have found that Republicans don't trust the polls, so don't believe the Democrats are winning, and so aren't going to show up in yes, November exactly, potentially, exactly. which is really fucking funny. <laughs> but anyway, moving on. Uh, so they they uh, even admit, so yeah, as you say, as you say, as yeah, they they admit exactly they admit that. that the person of Mike Trump, or uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, they admit that the reason for Mike Pence. Uh, was to ease yeah. fears of the evangelicals who were still scared of Donald Trump, which makes perfect sense. But then we get into a whole series yeah, I, of I, quotes. I, I, I was just like, I, I, Trump genuinely wanted a deeply religious man as his number two, and I have some land in Florida to sell you. <laughs> you, well, you can, though. You can buy land in Florida. That's it's not, a, not a fake swamp, thing. It's swamp. Oh, okay. it's yeah, you, swamp, you, I was just saying you screwed land. up the joke. But... Uh, they begin to do a series of quotes by people like Ralph Reed. We talked about him a few chapters ago, the chairman of the Faith and Freedom Coalition, who says... Yeah, so this is this is where my, my point at the beginning of the chapter comes from. He says, I think it was a huge development and it was critical to him winning the support of evangelicals. No, it wasn't. We just went over the fact <laughs> that they literally had decided to support him anyway. Mm -hmm. Like, we just went over the fact that... He won the nomination with the help of evangelicals. So at what point did he need Mike Pence to win the nomination? He fucking didn't. And you're a fucking liar. <laughs> but we should expect that from what you do for a profession. Yes, this much is true. Uh, but he also said that he cho he was choosing a partner in governance. And then it revealed much uh, about The his... vice president has no. literally no power. That was the point also. I was going to make. The vice presidency <laughs> is a worthless position. Unless, honestly, yep. uh, Joe Biden managed to make it worthwhile in being a cheerleader for Donald Trump. Or, I'm going to hurt Trump myself for, for saying Barack that. Obama. Hold on, I just yep. have to go whip myself on the back a little bit. Yep. Uh, but yep. a cheerleader yep. for Barack Obama... <laughs> But uh, Mike Pence has been, as far as I can tell throughout this presidency, basically worthless. I cannot think of one thing Mike Pence has done other than cast that tie-breaking vote, uh, which... Yeah, he did do that. That's, that's, the, which any, that's literally any the only governmental power that a vice president has. And it was yeah. purely because of luck that he ended up having to use it. Most vice presidents never have to, to, to do a tie-breaking vote. Um, so yeah. anyways, they next get into this... Cleveland Praise event, where they say they were Very setting a new weird. form of expression for the city, Cleveland Praise, and they bring up this thing called The Response, uh, which uh, David, I will say, is being a little dishonest about here, uh, because we are later going to learn about an individual by the name of David Lane, who it turns out leads this The Response <laughs> thing. Uh, but David doesn't mention that until we get to talking about him much later, and I believe that's in the next chapter we learn about David Lane, because it turns out David Brody is a huge cheerleader for David Lane, often being a speaker oh. at his events and doing a lot of publicity for him as his uh, job at the CBN, th through his job at the CBN. But this, um, so the, the, yeah, this is this is obviously there's a good bit here where. Uh... <laughs> I, want, I just want to say before Truth you get to whatever you're doing. He says this this event, the response happened two days before the uh, RNC convention, and David says thousands of Christians gathered at Cleveland State University to pray and worship at this event. Now, I looked up the video on the CBN website, which is unsuspicious, you would, you would expect, in the Brody file, which is David Brody's section of the website, and by mm -hmm. thousands, David means 
maybe 1,500. Maybe 1,500 okay. is his thousands showing up. Uh, so we go on to say, truth be told, evangelicals fully understand that Donald Trump will not heal America. Trump is just a vessel. That's true. Trump is just a vessel. A very empty one. one. <laughs> God, God does the real healing. I've just written, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's such a lot. But then the next, the look, there's, there's so much good. There's so much good bad in these few chapters here. Because yeah, next we get, is, we talked about him already, bad. but we get back to Pastor Daryl Scott. Donald Trump's yep. black friend. And we get one of the worst paragraphs ever written. I'm going to read it in its, in its entirety because this is amazing. It is, quote, What's ironic, however, is that despite the brewing of racial anxiety in the country that week, Daryl Scott, an African-American pastor from Cleveland and early Trump supporter, was busy preparing for his primetime address to convention delegates. As the mainstream media continued their lazy storyline about how Trump harbored racist feelings, it turns out that it was the white Donald Trump who requested that the black pastor speak in prime time. They had been close friends since 2011 when Michael Cohen, Trump's Jewish lawyer, introduced them. Cohen and Scott went on to be the closest of friends. That's one of my very, very best friends. I love that guy, (laughs) Scott said. So there you have it, a charismatic black preacher, a white Presbyterian businessman, and a Jewish lawyer, sounds like the beginning of a joke, in parentheses. It is, it's called America. All coming together to make America great again, the mainstream media conveniently ignored that scenario, didn't fit their narrative, that's not a sentence, that didn't fit their narrative, on it because it's period, didn't fit their narrative, period, that's not a sentence, too much racial harmony. (laughs) Also not a sentence. Okay, so there is so much. There is so much to unpack in that paragraph. Starting off with, yeah. it wasn't ironic that Daryl Scott was uh, was busy for his primetime address uh, at the RNC convention. That was planned. Irony is not planned, okay? No. No. This is like Alanis Morissette levels of not understanding irony. <laughs> Except she knew what she was doing. She knew that it wasn't <laughs> irony. That's the best part. Um... Did she? I didn't know. Yeah, that. no. The whole the whole song the, the song is ironic. It, it's a meta level of irony because the song is not actually about uh, irony. Because rain on your irony. wedding day is not irony. It, so yeah, it's, it's a whole bad It's a whole meta thing. It's fantastic. Uh, I love it. Oh, I love it. Okay. But then we get the Michael Cohen. Who we always love when they bring up Michael Cohen, especially right now. They bring up Paul Manafort yeah, later in the who they introduce too, as and emph- emphasize his importance. Who they introduce as Trump's Jewish lawyer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I got the tinglies. Okay. I got the tinglies. I've got, I just wrote his Jewish friend <laughs> next to it. That's, that's, that's where I'm And at. they're so blind that they think this, look, there's no way David Brody cannot possibly think, like I know he's trying to lay out in this chapter, that Daryl Scott in some way made African Americans like Donald Trump or that any minority group overwhelmingly likes Donald Trump. They all don't because he says ridiculous racist yeah. things. But the D- David is trying to excuse that in this chapter. The only other thing I wanted to say about this is I realized when I was reading this paragraph because we get the compliments that Daryl Scott gave to uh, uh, Michael Cohen. That's one of my very, very best friends. I love that guy. That all the compliments are in this book are what I would say if I was woken up from a dead sleep and had somebody yell, compliment this guy, right in my face. That's what I would come up with. He's a great guy. He's great. I love him. Great guy. I, I really, I really love this guy because everyone they quote are such shallow thinkers who don't have yeah. real genuine relationships. Yeah, that's not untrue. Um, so yeah, we, we then move on to when Daryl Scott like first met 
Trump, I guess. Right, which I thought we had already talked about earlier in this book. Yeah, maybe. I feel like I I wrote this somewhere else, but I feel like often they write this book as if they haven't read what they already wrote, which may be the case. Um, so yeah, he's talking about like, uh, Daryl Scott wasn't selling Christ. He was selling drugs, lots of them back in the eighties. And I've just written like kind of the same, like (laughs) taking advantage of poor people to further your own. Yep. Cool. Yep. Kind Mm -hmm. of the same. Um, but then, yeah, we, we get like Daryl Scott's a straight shooter, just like Trump. And so the pastor from Cleveland didn't mince words when he first met Trump at the meeting in 2011, which is when he was originally summoned because apparently Trump was considering running for president then too, but pussied out because he knew he couldn't mm-hmm. beat Obama, yeah. I am assuming. But anyway, yeah, Daryl Scott went to the to the Trump Tower in 2011. And you know how a big argument of this book is that it's a completely constructed narrative that trump's racist Mm -hmm. and that's something the media has come up with like in the last couple of years well it's interesting that they document here that daryl scott said to donald trump in 2011 on the street is in 2011 (laughs) word on the street is you're a racist so i wonder where that came from if it's all the media narrative that began when trump announced he was running for the presidency that doesn't seem to fit Oh, and a, a great part of that is also that uh so he asked why do you think people black people vote for you because word on the street is that you're racist. And uh, according to Scott, what Trump told him is, he said, quote, you know, I'm about the least racist person you ever want to meet. I work with all kinds of people. I can't be racist doing that. And that is the end of that exchange. And we just take it that Scott accepted that. Scott said, people say you're racist. Donald Trump says he's not racist. End of story. Yeah. Donald Trump goes, nope, not me. Oh, that's it. God. So, So uh, the last little bit I want to talk about in this, because the, the last whole page and a half of this is just a whole block quote of Paula White's prayer at the Repo- Republican National Convention, uh, which is worthless and not worth getting into. But the last little bit I want to talk about here is this quote that is also attributed to Donald Trump by uh, Daryl Scott's wife. And she says mm-hmm. that he said, quote, you all have been pursuing your higher calling, your relationship with God, while I was building buildings. Now it's time for me to catch up. That was real deep. No, no fucking way Donald Trump said those words. There is absolutely no way. Also, it's pretty meaningless. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, he wants, she's like, yeah, he definitely wants to go to heaven. Like, oh, well, that's that then. Like, (laughs) you know, there there we go. Right, but you know, it's that thing where when you try try and say Donald Trump said this, it is very easy. (laughs) Throw in a lot of varies. A lot of greats, a lot of bigs, a lot of, you know, simple words that he uses a lot. And you can make anything sound like Donald Trump. That sentence yeah. is not Donald Trump. No, that's true. Just a couple of things, because you're right. The, the last bit is, is Paula White or whatever her name yes. is. Um, so two things I want to pull out just before we move on to the next chapter. Uh, so a couple of things they say. While Pastor Daryl Scott helped give Trump political cover among oh, African-Americans. God. First off, you shouldn't need cover. That's not the right word. Political capital would be the right word. Mm -hmm. But of course, he didn't have that because he got 9% of the African-American vote, which is not good. So 9% of the vote, political cover. Cool. And then we move on to when we're talking about Paula White. Uh, We have... uh, It's the first time a woman has ever done the prayer 
uh, the Republican National Convention, as if this is supposed to make Trump look good. <laughs> I feel like that says more about Republicans than anything else, yes. that this is the first time in 2018 yeah. that a woman has done this. And that's it. I would like I, to... I did, I know, I, I should say, I, I, uh, I, I missed out because I thought that was the end of the chapter after Paula White's uh, uh, prayer. Yeah, okay. There are two more pages, and there is, a, there is only one thing I want to touch on on these two pages, which is they talk about the Republican uh, Party policy platform, which, oh, yeah. yes, yes. And this time in 2016, Tony Perkins, the president of the hate group, the Family Research Council. Fucking loved that. Yep, was actively he was like, we got no pushback. Was actively, actively yeah. involved in changing the party platform this year, and they, true to the pro-family agenda. And this is the quote. I'm going to read this in its entirety as well. He was pre- He was pleasantly surprised that, quote, we faced no opposition from the Trump team. Remember, this is a hate group. In fact, they worked very closely with us on a number of issues. Perkins rejoiced, considering that in years past, the Bush, McCain, and Romney teams opposed them on certain items, opposed the hate group on certain items. Trump didn't distance himself from it. The hate group didn't distance himself from the hate group. I think that communicated volumes because to Because he wants everyone to like him. That's why. I think that he doesn't <laughs> give a shit if it's David Duke. I think that communicated volumes to evangelicals because this was the most pro-life, read, pro-hate platform the policy has ever produced. It was solidly pro-family, read, pro-hate, pro-traditional marriage, read, pro-hate, pro-religious liberty, read, pro-hate. I think it was critical for him. And that... Uh, that is where I will end this chapter in, in reminding you that the hate group wrote so much of the Republican Party platform in yep. 2016. Cool. Also, it's not that they were like, oh, it's the most conservative yeah. ever. That is not true. No, no. Like that, that, I mean, you know, it may be the most conservative of modern times. Mm-hmm. Remember, segregation <laughs> was a thing, as was slavery. Yes, was. So let's, and, and, and homosexuality was illegal. Mm-hmm. So let's let's not say this was the most conservative yeah. ever and give it the hyperbole because it was not that. Yes. It may be the most conservative compared to modern thinking. That might be true. Compared to norms mm-hmm. now, it may be Compared the most to what genuinely moral individuals would, would put in their political yeah, platform. Yeah, would believe in the modern mm-hmm. day. But it is not the most conservative of all time. Let's not give him that fucking thing to hold up as well <laughs> all right so we got to move on to pe- chapter 23 this one is titled pastors and pews and uh to be my 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 alternative title is oh no i'm not gonna like no. this one uh, that, that's literally yeah like... yeah to be honest i i tried to write an alternate chapter title this one and all i came up with was just go fuck yourself just yeah. go fuck yourself, it, David it, Brody. It's extremely fuck yourself. This is a extremely fuck, fuck up chapter because we start off with the Orlando nightclub shooting. Very weirdly and arbitrarily. Well, other than the fact that it's like set in Orlando, like the rest of this chapter, the the, the hate gathering that mm-hmm. is set in the rest yeah. of this chapter is set in Orlando. Well, I think so. We're like, oh well, we got to offset it with the the ISIS dude. That's mm-hmm. you know a thing. I think that the the reason for that is that in these first two pages, they're going to try and convince us that the uh, the events put on by uh, many of these members of the hate group, the Family Research Council, uh, are not in fact anti LGBTQ. Uh, people that that they're not oh they're, they're not oh but they are bigots which they in fact are um so of course we get the the intro about uh the uh the Orlando nightclub shooting and they they slam Anderson Cooper and the New York Times uh, for saying that people who are against same sex marriage and transgender bathroom choice uh, um, look. See Anderson Cooper after the Orlando nightclub shooting. If, if whenever I'm looking for a good cry, 
I go pull up the YouTube video of Anderson Cooper reading the names of all the victims of the Orlando nightclub shooting, Mm -hmm. because that was one of the most emotional and heart-wrenching things I've ever seen in my life. Okay. Anderson Cooper, amazing journalist, hell of a hunk of a man. But (laughs) uh, we uh, we get now... The, the reason they, they put that in and what we they transition to is this Pastors and Pews event organized by the pew, American, pew, pew. American Renewal Project and its founder, David mm-hmm. Lane, who I mentioned in the last chapter. Now, uh, they say they say that uh, they, they mentioned that Marco Rubio, who was going to be a keynote speaker for the event, was pressured by LGBTQ activists who labeled the American Renewal Project speakers for this pu- uh, Pastors and Pews event, quote, some of the most hateful anti-LGBT persons, which is accurate. Quite rightly. It is quite yeah. accurate. Now, some of the people who were involved in this event, you may not be surprised to find out, actually were hateful bigots, including Matt Staver, whose Liberty Council action sent out the invitation to the event. Uh, he gained national rep- reputation for representing Kim Davis and Roy Moore, uh, and... He denounced memorial gatherings for the victim of the Orlando nightclub attack as, quote, homosexual love fests. Cool, he also cool, cool. said yeah, that gay people cool. are demonic, seek to abuse children, and are similar to terrorists. Another keynote speaker or speaker at this event was David Barton, the fake historian and Republican Party activist who thinks that God is preventing a cure for AIDS because it is a divine penalty for homosexuality. And has lamented that public schools try to force, quotes, students to be homosexual. They also had Maine pastor Ken Greaves, who preaches regularly against militant homofascism, and says they seek to take over our land and turn it into Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay. Also, Bill Federer, a religious right activist who believes that gay rights are bringing about the Islamist takeover of America. How he squares you know, those the two. because the Islamists love I, the gays. I don't fucking know. But then we get to David Lane himself, the organizer of this event, who has, in the past, argued that homosexuals praying at the inauguration of President Obama would provoke God's wrath in the form of car bombs in L.A., D.C., and Des Moines, Iowa. I don't know why he threw Des Moines, Iowa in with two real cities. I have now driven through Des Moines, Iowa. I can tell you it is not a real city. Uh, he feared that God might destroy the U.S. just as he punished Nazi Germany. Uh, he urged conservative Ooh. Christians to prepare for martyrdom, martyrdom in their fight to, quote, save the nation from the pagan onslaught imposing homosexual marriage and homosexual scouts. What are the home? Is that the Boy Scouts? Is that the gay version of the Boy Scouts? I, I can I, only I mean, assume that what not the just, hell he is meant Is that by not that. just the Boy Scouts? Yes. And he has also, of course, said that homosexuality has created an unparalleled moral crisis and threatened our utter destruction. That's just a piece. That is just a piece of the many disgusting things that David Lane has said about the LGBTQ community. Go fuck yourself for even mentioning the Orlando nightclub attack in the beginning of this chapter, you don't deserve yeah. to be al- allowed to set, to even mention it, David. Go fuck yourself. And of course, David never mentions that he is commonly a speaker at David Lane's events and promotes them all the time. All the time. Mm-hmm. So, David, go fuck yourself. Yeah, yeah, I agree. In, in lighter stuff, uh, <laughs> okay, first of all, 
Donald Trump definitely knows which buttons to push because we get the mention of the Johnson Amendment about like 20 times. Well, it's the, it's the only thing. It's the only thing Donald knows, yeah, Trump knows how to push. it's the only yeah. thing we talk about. So he knows exactly which buttons to push. Also, there's a hilarious exchange where he's like, I think repealing the Johnson Amendment would get me into heaven. Uh, and then James Robinson pipes up and goes, sir, sir, you know, I feel it's my duty to tell you that's not true and that you have to believe in the risen Christ. Mm-hmm. You know that, sir. And then Donald Trump goes, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and then Richard Land closes out the story and says, you know, nobody else would have said, yeah. George W. Bush might have said, yeah. And Reagan might have said, yeah, <laughs> but no one else, no one else. Yeah, because no one else would have been fucking stupid enough to be calling 30, pe- 30 pastors and being like, you know what will get me into heaven? Repealing the Johnson Amendment. Mm-hmm. The Johnson Amendment, of course, being the amendment that disallows churches from preaching their political viewpoints. Mm-hmm. And, and, and let, me, let me be clear about the Johnson Amendment. The only penalty for breaking the Johnson Amendment is losing your tax-exempt status. You don't go to jail yeah. or anything. You lose your tax yeah. exemption. That's Which it. You should. In fact, they should all lose it anyway. Yeah. Even if they're not preaching politics. I agree. No I, I, we agree. For but trip. anyway, and then we jump because back. Because what it does, what it does is buy private jets yes, for Joel that Osteen. Is true. That is what it does. That is true. Who then does not open his church for when there is a hurricane and he doesn't let people stay there. So fuck Joel Osteen. <laughs> Actually. And fuck David Lane. Uh, but we didn't, Indeed. we then jump back to the Pastors and Pews event after talking for that quick aside about uh, the Johnson yeah, Amendment issue for, for, again, almost no reason. Uh, we jump back to the Pastors and Pews event to David Lane talking to Bloomberg News, who said that rescinding the Johnson Amendment is a good first step, but then said that religious liberty involves a lot more. And remember, this is a guy who we have just been told by David, the author of this book, because I know there's two Davids, I have to clarify. David, the author, just told us that David Lane is not an anti-LGBT bigot. What David Lane then actually, says is the next big step. Twist. What David then said is the next big step in uh, uh, in getting Donald Trump into heaven is he well he he referred to the photographers, bakists, and florists who had in recent years lost their religious liberties or their businesses or both over same sex marriage issues, and then said lamented what? quote Doesn't the First Amendment give us all a right to our beliefs? Go yeah, but again, not yourself. to impose your beliefs on other people. Whatever. Look, I, I, we, we talked about it so anyway. many times. I know, I know we get new listeners who haven't heard me complain about how when you're running a business, you're not engaging in religion, you're ga- engaging in commerce, and you have to obey all the laws as such. But oh, I'm just so tired. I'm so but, tired of this but, book, man. But you know. Um, yeah, me too. So, so let, let's get through the rest of this quickly. The, the, the rest of this is an extremely weird story about, about David Lane. David, uh, David mm-hmm. Lane trying to m- raise money and all the money coming from a chicken farmer. Yeah. But like an anonymous chicken farmer, which anonymous seems, to chicken slang farmer. For, seems to be slang for Russian donuts well, to me. Well, anonymous because chicken farmer. Like <laughs> because this, did, this is also involved in a Paul Manafort story. Through Paul, yeah. Paul Manafort. So this is a story yeah. where he goes so, back and but, forth but between phone guy, calls to Paul Manafort yeah. and David Lane talking to this anonymous chicken farmer to, who, donated, chicken farmer. who donated $9 million. Yeah. A like, chicken times farmer. Must, you, you know, times must have been real tough for the chicken farmer. Is it the fucking CEO of Tyson? Million. Is that who yeah, it is? Exactly. It's probably the CEO of Chick-fil-A. Gee, yeah, honestly. it's not a fucking chicken farmer. I guarantee you that much. 
Uh, But this story is, yeah, is about David Lane trying to raise uh, money for his get out the vote efforts among evangelicals. Uh, But then, like, he just does it. Like, he goes to see Manafort and Manafort's like, give me two days Mm -hmm. as he goes to see the Russians, presumably. (laughs) And then, (laughs) allegedly. And then the and then the chicken farmer just calls again and is like. Here's another four million. Yeah, the original five million. I promise. So there's literally no point to Manafort being in the story no. because literally all the money comes from the chicken farmer. Yeah. So all we've done with this Manafort story is confirm that Manafort <laughs> was actually the campaign manager <laughs> and was important to the Trump campaign, which I feel like will be useful in the impeachment proceedings. We need to send this so book to Robert you, Mueller. We need David. to send the yeah, book exactly. to Robert Mueller. <laughs> Robert Mueller. I'm sorry, patrons. My annotated copy is going directly to Robert Mueller this time. <laughs> yes so, so yeah that's kind of the story for the rest of the chapter yeah it's we get really we weird. get david uh david brody trying to attribute donald trump's win almost entirely to david lane and his efforts with his nine million dollars chicken farmer yes to, to the chicken farmer basically whose worst nightmare was the hillary clinton presidency mm-hmm. because the barack obama presidency had not allowed him to have a spare nine million dollars <laughs> I know. Uh, but there is there's one thing uh, I do want to mention that did piss me off because uh, when they're trying to when David is trying to say how great Lane is and how he won the election for Trump, he says in his article, how white evangelicals won the 2016 election, author and presidential historian Doug Weed concluded that one man, David Lane, uh, blah, 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 blah. I just want to say stop calling fucking pundits historians. Doug Weed is not a presidential historian. Okay, he is a political pundit, pundit, an evangelical hack who writes shitty pseudo history histories that sell a lot of mo- among evangelicals. He's he's just like yeah. all those goddamn Fox News authors who write their killing whoever books and then sell all the copies to my dad. My, my dad buys all those copies and gives them to all of us for Christmas, even though the last few I've gotten I have burned because they are terrible books. <laughs> I have nothing else to say on this chapter. It is very bad. Well, the, uh, the, there is one other person um, who they bring up at the end of the chapter, and they, they say this is a, a, an amazing man with an amazing vision. And this is Chad Connolly, uh, who they say uh, is they just uh, laud. There's also a cameo from Rince Priebus. Yes, yes. They, they, they laud Chad Connolly as this amazing individual who ran this faith initiative at the RNC. Uh, and and just spend two pages talking about how great he is, how important he is, how all the things he did has done are so amazing. Uh, and so, of course, I had to look the guy up. Turns out he resigned last year in October, Ooh. saying that the RNC didn't appreciate him. Uh, they didn't get he didn't get the uh, a priority he anticipated, and that the treatment he this is a quote from him. Quote, the treatment I received from the new political department has been disrespectful, antagonistic, and unacceptable. So that's this guy who they say is so amazing and doing such great work in the RNC and is really, really just the guy who's going to lead us into the future. (laughs) But that is it. Uh, I will end the chapter with the final paragraph, as I usually do. Uh, And so they say, what was Connolly's goal right from the start in July 2013? We never hit 80%. Evangelicals in a presidential election had never given a presidential candidate 80% of their vote, Connolly explained. I wrote a memo to Reince when I came on board. I wrote that if we ever hit 80%, then the liberals wouldn't be able to win. And I will say, yes, we absolutely would be able to if we had higher turnout in the states that mattered. It it really wouldn't Mm -hmm. have been hard because you got 80% in 2016, and we could have beaten it with 77,000 votes in the right places. Go fuck yourself. 
If you earned 80% of the evangelical vote in a national election, Connolly was convinced that you would win the office. 80%. That's what Connolly recommended to Priebus in 2013, and then they went to work and hit that number. So we, uh, we can expect that's what we're going to be hear about in the upcoming chapters. But that is it for this week's book review of The Faith of Donald J. Trump, a spiritual biography. I hope you enjoyed I hope you enjoyed the show. About your grandmother's book club podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020, all rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com.